It's great to be here with you this morning. I had a friend recently say that when they watched that um, bumper video, but they expect a Bigfoot Sasquatch to sort of pop out of one of the trees. That would have been a sort of a nice addition, maybe next time. But uh, it is great to have you here. Uh, we are still continuing through our series, uh, Thrive. It really comes out of a conversation I have had over and over again uh, here in 2020, where I've asked people how they're doing. They say they've been surviving. And it really hit me at one point in one conversation where the Lord just, just sort of checked me and said, you know, I really want to do more in my people's life than, than let them survive. I want them to thrive. I want them to thrive. But Jesus came so we can actually thrive in him no matter what the circumstances. In fact, the victorious Christian life is trusting God no matter what the circumstances we go through. And so we've been taking just uh, steps that we can take uh, in order to put us in a position to thrive in Christ. And this week, we're going to be looking at the word trust, trust. Now, trust is a powerful word. It has great meaning. In fact, uh, we can define trust as a, a reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. It's a so solid reliance that this someone or something can actually do what we believe they can do or what they claim they can do. And, and I think that's why trust is such an issue for many of us. Because the reality of it is, is, is that we have been let down in life. We've trusted people and they've let us down. We've trusted in things and they've let us down. And so it's difficult uh, to build trust, to have that trust. I had a mentor years ago say to me, you can't trust anyone 100%, including yourself, except for God. That sounds like a really negative statement, unless you realize, but we can trust God 100%. That's the good news. And it's really our trusting in God that allows us to be able to enter into relationship with other people, understanding that no one is perfect, but God is. And he can sustain us in the relationships. He can sustain us in the circumstances that he is the one we're to place our trust in. Now, in the second week of the series, uh, I gave an example in the Lordship message uh, that I want to give again. I, I had planned even then to, to share that during this time of trust because this concept, this, this reality, probably better stated, this reality that Jesus is Lord is at the very center of why we can trust him. But I said that when I was growing up and I learned how to shake someone's hand, which seems a little archaic now, but, but when I grew up, I learned how to shake someone's hand. I learned to, to grab the hand firmly not try to break it like some guys do. I don't know why they do that. Guys, stop it. But just firmly. And then look the person in the eye. When I took martial art classes, every instructor I had, when they teach you how to bow, they teach you when you bow to look the person in the eye. And if you go back, if you were here, just to review, if not, this is a new lesson for you. But when you go back to the history of it, it's not just for respect. You don't look a person in the eye when you shake their hand merely out of respect or when you bow. It's keeping an eye on them. It's a way of saying, I'm shaking your hand, but I've got my eye on you. If you're going to attack me, way back when these things were originally taught, I'm watching. It's different with God. That when we look in Scripture, for instance, one of the Hebrew words for worship is really clear. But it's a word that actually means laying prostrate before God, laying flat on the ground, arms out, head down, trusting him. 
That's why I use this illustration in the lordship message because that's the way we're to worship God with this, with this abandonment, just laying down flat. Lord, I, I trust you, but, but it's, it's this lordship trust dynamic we're looking at. Now, in the Christian faith, we keep our eyes on Jesus, but not because we don't trust him, because we need to follow him. And if you're not looking toward him, you can't follow him, right? But it's not the same thing if I got my eye on you. Then that's trust. It's abandonment. Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. And it's this trust that's essential for a believer to thrive. Trusting God is essential for a believer to thrive. And you don't need to be around Christians long to hear the statement, trust in Jesus. This, this is a, a key statement that, that comes right out of Scripture, that we trust in Jesus, we believe him for our salvation. In fact, one of the most popular verses in Scripture, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, and you can use the word trust there, whoever trusts in him, should not perish but have eternal life. We believe who Jesus is. We, we, we place our faith in him as Lord and Savior. We believe he did indeed die for our sins and was resurrected for our salvation. Romans 4.25, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. He, he died for our sins and raised for our justification, raised for our salvation. None of us can save ourselves and that's the problem. If we trust ourselves to somehow save us, we're going to fail ourselves. But Jesus did it. He paid the price. He's faithful. And so we place our trust in him. Now, now catch this. We, we come to Jesus out of trust, belief, faith, all three of those words pretty much have the same meaning. And so we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior and we're saved. But that's not the end of our trust journey, is it? Once we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, as a believer, we learn how to trust him in the day-in, day-out reality of life. Trusting him is still important, and followers of Christ trust Jesus by putting complete confidence in him and his word. Jesus is speaking to Jewish believers, Jews who have placed their trust in him, and his words are recorded for us in John's gospel, John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus, speaking to these Jewish believers, says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Think about it. If you abide in me, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, what's abiding in Jesus mean? What's abiding in Jesus means to continue believing what Jesus says and walking in obedience to him. It's, it's not just saying, I believe you, Jesus, but it's saying, I believe you, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk according to your word. This is why continuing to trust in Jesus and obey him is one test of being truly a disciple. It's hard to call ourselves a Christ follower if we're not following Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, it doesn't mean we follow him perfectly. It, it means it's our intent, but we, but we look to Jesus, we're following him, we're studying his word by the power of the Holy Spirit, becoming more and more like him. And Jesus is speaking of one way to know the truth. He's not just speaking of any truth here, by the way. There's only one truth that sets us free. Not every truth, there's one truth. And that's Jesus Christ is Lord. Know me, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Jesus is speaking of this that we will understand the path to take in order to live a thriving life. Such trust in Christ brings freedom from guilt of the enslaving power of sin and the patterns of that conduct. Now, when we come to Jesus, he frees us for, from the penalty of sin. He gives us the ability to, to make different decisions by the power of the Spirit. And, and this is a journey as well. If you guys found out to be a journey... Money, only one? I feel so alone on that. Okay, somewhere, okay, good. And if you're at home, raise your hand, I'll, I'll see it. Uh, it, it. It's just, we're all in the same boat together. It's a journey. You've heard me say it. I, I know I'm, I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be. I thank God I'm growing in Christ. I'm growing in him. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. And, and this is it. Simply put, the more we know and abide in the words of Jesus, the more we learn to obey him and, and to walk with him, and the more we grow in trusting him. It's a journey. It's a journey. And we enter into this relationship with him, and we get frustrated because our trust may not be perfect in practice, but I believe it can be in intent. So what do you mean? Well, one verse that has come out over and over again in my prayer time, but that I... Don't even like to admit, but, but, but it's, it's true, is Mark 9.24. Mark 9.24 simply reads, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Now, what's happening in this verse in context? A father has come to Jesus and is asking Jesus for a miracle to heal his son. How many parents do we have out there? How desperate do you think this father was? And he comes to Jesus. I mean, we don't know if he had tried a ton of other things and then came to Jesus or if Jesus was his first choice. All of us have been in both of those scenarios, haven't we? But he comes to Jesus desperately finding healing for his son and he asks Jesus, would you heal my son? And Jesus asked him, do you believe? Now, that's a good question. And the man says, I believe. Then in this raw honesty, he admits but help me in my unbelief. How many of you have been there? Do you believe? Well, of course I believe, but help me where I don't believe. Lord, I trust you, and I trust you with all the heart that I know I trust you with, but help me in those parts I'm still reserving. Or you're hitting this huge obstacle, and you thought you trusted Jesus with everything, and all of a sudden this obstacle comes, and you realize, oh, wait a minute. There's some parts of me I'm still holding on to. Maybe during this time of, of COVID, right? I'm sure there's been instances where you said, Lord, I trust you. Help me. I'm not trusting. Had a parent send their, their uh, daughter off to school for the first time, you know, college, uh, just last week. And that mom trusted. But, oh, Jesus, help me where I'm not trusting. And, and the amazing thing is this for me. It's so easy to become discouraged when our trust wavers. But here's the good news. Jesus understands our weakness. Like he's not weak, but he understands it. He knows our struggle to trust him. You say, well, Craig, how do you know that? Well, look at, look at scripture. Paul encourages us, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, let me camp there for a minute. Because that's really the only part of that verse most of us focus in on if we were to be honest. Don't worry. 
the scripture says. And so we worry, and then all of a sudden we're starting beating ourselves up, right? Because we go, I'm not supposed to worry. And it says, don't worry. And now I'm worrying about worrying. And you find yourself in this horrible cycle of worry. But it's not all the verse says. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, that's true. We don't need to be anxious about anything, right, church? Yeah, okay, because there's people watching online. I wanna, there are people here. Don't, we're not supposed to worry, but we don't have to worry about anything, do we? Right? All right, all right. Yeah, we'll just move on. Don't worry about anything. Thank you over here, by the way. But, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What, what's Paul doing here? Well, he said, we, we need not to be anxious about anything, but when you do. Did you catch that? It's really implied, isn't it? Don't be anxious for anything, but when you do, come to the Lord in prayer and with thanksgiving, make your request known to him. Come to the Lord with honesty. Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Come with thanksgiving. That word's interesting. It means thanksgiving about what he has already done, what he is doing, and what he's going to do. And, and there's, there's something there that, that often we can miss in this verse, but it's so crucial to us growing in this trust journey. And that's being able to look back through the word of God and see where God has been faithful to his people from the very beginning. But it's also looking at other people's story, testimony. That's why it's important to be in fellowship with other believers and seeing how God has been faithful in the lives of others. And then in our own story. We sang a song this morning, right? It says, you have not failed me yet. <laughs> sort of a weird way to put it, really. <laughs> but what's this? You haven't failed me. And we look at our past, and it builds up this trust of what God's doing in the present, and it gives us what we need to step out into the future. And you say, then we don't worry anymore. No, no, no. We're not to worry, but when we do, we pray. We're honest before the Lord with thanksgiving. And it reads in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry. But when you do, come to the Lord and pray. Look at, look at the history of God's faithfulness. Let, your, let, your, let yourself be built up in this, this trust journey because God is with you and it's the very presence of Christ in our life which is the peace. The presence of the Lord is peace. And as we're mindful that he is large and in charge, that he is on the scene and that he is working, we begin to grow in our trust of him. Trusting Jesus means to come to him and believe that he is good and trustworthy. Uh, don't raise your hand. Don't need to answer out loud. Just in your own heart, do you believe God is good? Do you believe he's trustworthy? Because when we believe he's good and trustworthy, then we know he's working for the greater good of, of, of all of humanity, including us. In fact, he came to give us an abundant, thriving life. John 10.10, 10, he said, I didn't come to steal anything. I didn't want to rob joy from you. I have come to give you an abundant, thriving life. That's the life that Jesus offers us. It's the one that begins when we say yes to him and will be fulfilled in totality when we're with him in paradise. And we can be confident in this. And we can be confident in this because of who he is and who we are in him. See, God is good. And look at John 1.12, to all who did receive him, to all of us who have, who have come and said yes to Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, to those who received him, who believed or trust in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God. So Jesus is good, and if you're in Christ, you're his child. How many parents are in here again? How many of you have ever been a child? If your experience is like mine, this is easier to wrap your mind around. I have had good parents, have good parents, or with Jesus, good parents, good parents. And, and like I knew if someone messed with me and my mom found out, Mama Bear came out of her. I mean, it did. Like my dad would be upset, but mom was worse. Like dad could do more damage, but mom would do more damage. You follow what I'm saying? Like, you didn't mess with her boys. It was just the way it is. Then when she had grandchildren, it was all gone, you know? Mama Bear would come out, and I'd have to, we'd have to talk her down, you know? And this gentle woman all of a sudden was like, who are you? What did you do to my mom, you know? No, God's not out of control. He's in control. And, and that's why when I go through a difficult time, especially if, if things are coming against me, I'm like, greater is he who is in me than is in the world. That's God. That's the good God who I'm the child of. And if you mess with me, you've got to mess with him, and you don't want to mess with him. Right? Like, like, I learned a long time ago, I really don't have problems. Problems are things you can't fix, and God can fix everything. Come on, church. So it's, it's understanding God is good, he's faithful. I am a child of God. If you're here in Jesus this morning, you're a child of God. If you're not, you can be a child of God. You just enter in this relationship with Jesus Christ. He's your Lord and Savior. And we trust Jesus for our salvation. And by God's supernatural work, he, he makes us his child. And when we trust in Jesus, we, 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 we begin this journey with Jesus of trust. We grow as we recognize that he's good and faithful and we're his child and he's working in us and he's empowering us to thrive. Our trust in Jesus grows as we continue to walk in him. Our faith, our trusting in God grows through experience. Again, Paul's words, he's writing to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 1.10, he says, God delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Sort of an interesting way of wording it, but when you, when you look at what he's saying is God has done this in the past, he's doing this in the present, he's going to continue to be faithful to us. As we, as we walk with God, we can, we can grow and grow and grow in, in this trust journey with him. As we experience God's faithfulness through the good, the bad, and the ugly of life, we, we're able to have our trust either depleted because we're looking at other things, or are strengthened, as James writes in James 1, strengthened by the adversity because we see God's faithfulness. Now, by the way, let me just clarify. God's faithfulness does not mean he does what you want. I'm just going to wait on that for a minute. Because I've had a lot of people say to me, I have over the years, I've lived long enough, there's been a lot of people now. I've had a lot of people say to me, God hasn't been faithful because I prayed for this and he didn't do that. And I've just gotten to the point where I say, well, just do me, will you do me a favor? Like, I'm not trying to be mean, but would you show me in scripture where God promised to do that? He promises to supply all of our needs. Let me in a little secret. 
The scripture says all we need is him. Put the two, two and two together there. Right? If all we need is him and he's faithful, then we already have everything we need. Well, no, no, I need this. No, all you need is him. Okay, come on now. Wish you had your mask back on. But it's good news because he is faithful. I stand before you because God is faithful. And by the way, if I don't stand before you and I'm with him, he's been faithful. Like even more so then, right? God is faithful. A problem is something that can't be fixed and God can fix everything. God is good. He's faithful. We're his children. And as we walk with him, our faith grows. I was praying over this and Instantly, what came to my mind was, was the plight of the, of the people of, of, of Israel. So the people of Israel have been in bondage for years. They've been slaves. And God sends plagues, and he sends his leader, Moses, and, and, and Pharaoh finally lets the people go, sort of. He lets them go, and then as they're walking free, he says, no, this isn't going to happen. So he collects his army and chases after the people of Israel. And what do they do? They get to the Red Sea, and they got the Red Sea before them, and then they have the army of, of Egypt behind them, Pharaoh's army. Now, that's a bad predicament to be in, because I don't care how good a swimmer you are, you're not swimming across the Red Sea, and you don't want to go back that way. And most of us know the story, right? God separates the sea, and he brings dry land, and the people walk across it. Now, I don't know about you, but that still is a trust journey. Like, I've never seen that happen before. I haven't experienced it personally. I wouldn't have wanted to be in the front of the line. Like, I'd want some people to go a little bit before me just to see how it worked out for them. But I wouldn't want to be at the end of the line either. Like, I want to be somewhere in the middle where, like, okay, they got through. I hope they do, but I'm, I'm you know, let's do this thing. And they walk across on dry land. Amazing. God brings them to the promised land. Now, by the way, this is the God who had parted the Red Sea, and, and all of a sudden they send 12 spies into the promised land. Only two come back saying we can do this thing with God. The other 10 go, there's no way. They're going to devour us. And so God takes the people of Israel on a 40-year hike, 40 years, journeying through the wilderness. Those who are in leadership die off in those 40 years, but their children are still there. Some of them who experienced some of the other things have been there. And they come back to the promised land. Now, some of that was discipline. I believe a large part of that was an experience in trust. Because when you read the 40-year journey, God comes through this time and this time and this time and this time. And now the people are at the Jordan River for the second time. New group of leadership, except for Caleb and Joshua. And they say, we can do this thing. And what does God do? God does what God does. He doesn't part to Jordan. He says to them, no, 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 no. You're going to walk out, and when the priests set their feet in the water, I'll stop it up. Now, I don't know about you. Walking across a split sea is a trust thing for me. Just walking into the water and putting my feet in, then it's going to stop. That's a big trust thing. Like, it seems like what was faith then isn't faith now because they've grown. So I'm going to stretch you a little bit. And it's one of the things I love to, to think about 
how did the priest step into the water? Like, I would love to have seen it. Like, were they confident? Or were they like, I don't know. I don't know how I would be. I heard a story from the old Star Trek episode. Anyone know the old Star Trek episode? Anyone out there? Okay, more than I thought. Okay, yeah, yeah. Best thing ever was put on TV. Pretty amazing. Yep. They had, of course, in that, in that episode, they had doors that automatically opened. Now, most of you are looking at me like, yeah, that happens all the time. It didn't happen when that was made. Like, that was futuristic, okay? Like, that was futuristic. Someday, we're going to have doors that just automatically open. And it was going to be in the way, way future. Thank God it's much closer. This is what I heard. I heard that what would happen is they had a rope and pulley system, and they would walk, and the pulley would pull the door open, but sometimes the pulley didn't work. Watch this. They would walk face plant into the door. Cut two. You had to then act, talking about good actors, confidently, knowing that this futuristic door always opened when it was supposed to, and you would have to walk confidently, hoping the door opened and not smack your face. I have watched many an episode trying to see if I can catch them a little fear for the door would not open. <laughs> Just to see. And that's how life is. We've gone through life and we've had the door not open in relationships. We've had the door not open in situations, at least the way that we see it. And God says, trust me. I'm not like those doors. I'm not like those doors. You'll have difficulty this side of heaven, but take heart, he says, I've, I've overcome that. There's, there's, there's victory in me. To trust Jesus is, is to know God. To trust that he's good, to trust that, that he's faithful. To know that as his children, he wants us to do more than survive. He, he wants us to survive. Every day, if we were to be honest, we trust things that aren't all that trustworthy. Some of you, when you came to church, I'm guessing all of you came here through driving, at least most of you, and you trusted the car was going to get you here. And I've had cars where that took a lot of faith in the past. Would it start? Would the battery last? You're trusting that. You're trusting the chair you're sitting on right now. That's going to hold you up. Now, for many of you, that's a given. For me, it hasn't been in my life. I've broken many a chair. I went to a friend's house years ago now, and his mom said, here, take this chair. And I looked at it, and I was much heavier even then. And I looked at it, I thought, I should not be sitting in that chair. And she was just insisting and insisting. And I was like in my early 20s, I thought, i got to respect her. She told me to sit down. It's like the fifth time. So how many I sat on, boom, broke the chair. Found out later, I've been in their family for like three generations. I broke the generational chair. So I actually eye every chair I sit on now. The rule is if you put a stool up here for me to sit on, it has to be a stool. You know what I'm saying? I actually was in front of a church once and went to sit on the stool and it broke. Yeah, they laughed too. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's, but you know, we usually take that for, think of the thing. Just take a minute, seriously. Just take a minute and think of the things you trust. Now you're going to be like, good, now I'm not trusting anything. But just think about it. Would we all agree God is immeasurably more than those things? 
And that when we look at the history of God, really the history of humanity, God's always existed. When we look at the history of humanity, he has never failed. If you were to be honest about your own life, he's never failed you. Trust. Trust him. Don't worry. But when you do, come to him in honest prayer. Let him build your trust up. And then walk out confidently in him. I don't know what you're going through right now, but God will be faithful. I don't know what you're going to go through. God will be faithful. I don't know what 2020 has, has meant for you, but I'm guessing it's been challenge after challenge. God is faithful. In church, the greatest gift we can give to one another is testifying of his faithfulness. And the greatest gift we can give as we scatter throughout this region in a few moments is the journey of trust visible for others to see. Not perfect in practice, but perfect in intent and growing in him. God is faithful. We can trust him. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, if you've yet to receive him as your Lord and Savior, why not this morning start the trust journey? If you're found in him this morning, know that you're his child. He knows your weakness. Let's be honest about it. Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. And take the next step of trust he's calling you to take in him. Let's pray. Father God, I'm amazed by you. I can't help it, but read the scriptures and and not be just amazed at your faithfulness over and over again. And Lord, what blows my mind is your faithfulness to those who are much less than faithful to you. Thank you, Father, that I can come to you in honesty in voice of prayer like thy father did many years ago. Lord, I do trust you, but help me where I'm not trusting. Lord, I know all these things, and yet I'm still worrying. Lord, help me. I know I'm not supposed to worry, but I'm worrying. And so I come to you in prayer. I give this to you. I pray that you'd give me strength, that you'd help me be, be strengthened by my own experience, the experience of others, your faithfulness, God, so that your peace, Lord, would consume me, which is your presence. It's the awareness of your presence that brings that peace. Lord, I pray for those who, who maybe have yet to receive you as Lord and Savior and the quietness of our heart right now to, to start that trust journey. But Lord, I do pray again just for, for those who are believers. Lord, help us. Help us trust you. And God, help us trust you, not just because that honors you, but it does. But let us trust you because it's in that that we're blessed and can bless others. Thank you for being so patient with us, so loving, so good. And I declare my trust in you and my desire to trust you more and more. In Jesus' name.